the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Tuesday, October the 20th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1803, the U.S. Senate ratified the Louisiana Purchase. It's a pretty good deal. Today in 1818, U.S. and Britain established the 49th Parallel as the border between the United States and Canada. They would later haggle, argue, pretty heatedly about the border of Alaska and Canada. The United States won that argument, you know, that long kind of peninsula that comes down on the south end of Alaska. There's a lot of access to the sea by the United States, the state of Alaska. Canada was not very happy about that, but it all got worked out and all of the boundaries are established today. Today, in 1947, the House Un-American Activities Committee opened hearings into alleged communist influence and infiltration in the U.S. motion picture industry. Today, in 1968, Jacqueline Kennedy married Aristotle Onassis. Today, in 2001, officials announced that anthrax had been discovered in the House Postal Facility on Capitol Hill. And 10 years ago today, Iranian president and the uh, visiting Venezuela president, Hugo Chavez, remember him? They came out of a meeting. They'd been locked up for a while together. They came out of a meeting. They said, we have, we have forged a strong strategic relationship. They said, we are united in our efforts and we will establish a new world order that will eliminate Western dominance over global affairs. Iran and Venezuela. I mention that because it shows how foolish they were and uninformed. But sadly, the left in America want to walk down that same path. They're thinking the same thoughts. Kind of a global community, and everybody has their own little reflector for their own little green electricity. It's crazy. That's where we are today. Ocasio-Cortez and this group. Bernie Sanders, he's old enough to know better than that. They're trying to take us down the same path that Venezuela walked down. Socialism and all of it. It's amazing. There's breaking news out there this morning. I want to mention it to you. It will dominate the news because it's a big deal. The Justice Justice Department has filed a antitrust lawsuit against Google. Google controls 90% of all of the online searches, the traffic. If you want to look something up, what do you do? You Google it. The word Google was a noun. Now it's a verb. It's what you do. It's not what it is. It's both. But they're so dominant. Many are calling them the big tech master of the universe. But they're engaged in uh, anti-competitive practices. So the federal government has filed suit against them. The Wall Street Journal broke the story early this morning. I read the story. 
basically what it says. I'm not going to get into that today, but it because it touches nearly all of our lives. If you're on the internet, it touches your life. But the Wall Street Journal said this morning they'll be cha- they'll be adding to this and editing and so on as updating as we go through the day. But <clears throat> the journal said the department will allege that Google, a, a unit of Alphabet, that's a parent company is maintaining its status as gatekeeper to the Internet through an unlawful web of exclusionary interlocking business agreements that shut out competitors. The government will allege that Google uses billions of dollars collected from advertisements on its platform to pay mobile phone manufacturers, carriers, and browsers like Apple, and there's uh, Safari, which is on your phone, and that's there because Google pays Apple and others to put that on the phone. It's a preset. It's a default search engine. The upshot is that Google, uh, the Wall Street Journal says, the upshot is that Google has pulled position in search of hundreds of millions of American devices with little opportunity for any competitor to make inroads. The government will allege justice officials, the Wall Street Journal says, said the lawsuit will also take aim at arrangements in which Google's search application is preloaded and can't be deleted on mobile phones running its popular Android operating system. The government will also allege that Google unlawfully prohibits competitors' search applications from being preloaded on phones under revenue-sharing agreements. It's interesting that this has taken so long, actually. They have been dominant now for the last several years, and they've been abusing that. All of the tech companies are now abusing the power they've created through their favored status, uh, in creating what we know today as the Internet and, and the uh, online. Did you know that the average person in America, now this takes into account everybody, the kid that spends all day on there and the, the grandparent who maybe doesn't get on it at all, but on average, Americans spend two hours and six minutes, not on the Internet, on social media today, which is... On the internet, of course. We are addicted to the internet. We are addicted to social media. And now, and now we're beginning to see some of the consequences. One of the consequences that I've noticed this program, the dominance of Google in particular, when I want to look up something about something that is clearly conservative or Christian, biblical in nature. Over the last couple of years, we've been doing this radio program now live every morning. It originates live. Some of the some of you are listening to it a slight delay, an hour or two delay, but live. Every, we originate live every morning, and I do a lot of research early in the morning before we come on the air. And I have found over the last several years since we started this radio program that it's becoming more and more difficult to find certain subjects in your research. You can find them if you know the exact title, but if you're off a little bit, there's really no help. There's no compensation. There used to be. If you got a couple of the words right in something you were looking for, boom, you had it if you Googled it. Now if you Google it, it's not that way, if it's conservative or if it is Christian. And at first I thought, well, that's just me because I'm biased, and I am. But it isn't just me. That's the world we live in. This is not really about that, this lawsuit, but this what I just said is a part of the bigger picture here. But they control 90% of all un, uh, online searches and activities. 
There's an interesting um, theme in several of the Psalms, Psalm 11, Psalm 12, Psalm 13, 14, Psalm 15. Let me give you that as a pretext to what I want to talk to you about this morning. What I want to talk to you about this morning is very direct. I know it will offend some. It will anger some. And some will say, boy, should he be saying that? But in Psalm chapter 11, and I have referred to this often throughout my years of ministry and on this radio program, the psalmist says, In the Lord I will put my trust. How can you say to my soul, Flee as a bird to the mountain? For look, the wicked bend their their bows, they make ready their arrows on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. Verse 3 of Psalm 11 If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And I have referred to that verse often as a pastor and on this program. What can you do when those who seek to destroy the work of the Lord, conservatism in general, what can you do when they sneak around in the dark trying to pull their bow and shoot you with their arrows? The psalmist continues through that and concludes that particular psalm with this, For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Continuing in Psalm 12, the psalmist begins, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. In today's vernacular, the psalmist is saying, Lord, I'm looking all around, and man, there's nobody left that's righteous. In fact, he says they speak idly, everyone with his neighbor with flattering lips and a double a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattery to the tongue that speaks proud things and on. He, he's very upset about it because he said, nobody's telling the truth anymore. Nobody's righteous. I don't think that's an ego thing. The psalmist is just saying, am I the only one that's trying to serve you, Lord? And it continues into Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? He continues, consider and hear me, O Lord. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. The psalmist points out how he's really feeling in his heart. And then he says, all this stuff is going on. And I just I don't really feel good about this, Lord. These people are all hypocrites. They're saying one thing. They're not speaking the truth. But Lord, I love you. I mean, how many times have you and I and all of us as individuals gone through that same you know, set of, you know, thinking process. That's human. It's very human. And here the psalmist is laying this out a long time ago, and we face some of these same emotions. We walk through these same um, thought processes today because we man has not changed. Psalm 14 begins, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They're corrupt. They have done abominable works. There's none who does good. And however, several verses later, Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord brings back the captivities of his people, let Jacob rejoice. And then in Psalm 15, I want to leave 
this with you and keep this in the back of your mind as we talk about what we're going to talk about this morning. He said, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Psalm 15 is essentially a profile of a righteous individual. Who will abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Verse 2, he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart, who does not backbite with his tongue, goes through a whole list of things there. He who swears to his own hurt does not change. In other words, stands for what he believes. He who does not put out his money at usury, in other words, taking advantage of other people to make money for himself, does not take a bribe against the innocent, He who does these things shall never be moved. And then verse 1 in Psalm 16, and keep this in mind, the psalmist says, Preserve me, O Lord, or O God, for in you I put my trust. Preserve me, in you I put my trust. This morning, about three hours ago right now, President Trump, called for a special prosecutor to be appointed to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop. The laptop reveals corruption to its lowest level in government. He said he's got to appoint somebody. He called on the uh, attorney general. He said he's got to appoint somebody. This is a major corruption. It has to be known about before the election. The quick-minded liberal, far-left, progressive, would say, yeah, that's the president trying to win an election. I would agree. Yeah, it is. He wants to win the election. He doesn't want to lose. He wants to win. But the New York Post reported this week, and I've talked a little bit about that on this program, reported this last week that emails from a laptop belonging to Hunter, former Vice President Joe Biden's son, it showed that he leveraged the connections to his father and the Ukraine business executives. The correspondence on that laptop is absolute. It's there. It is his his laptop. There is no question about that. So what has Joe Biden done? Joe Biden has gone into hiding. I'm being very direct. I know it will be offensive, but it is the truth what I'm saying. Day before yesterday, Joe Biden called it quits. He went back to his home, back to his basement, and he put on the lid. That's what they call it in the press. That means you can't contact him if you're a press person because he's taking a respite. In other words, he's withdrawing for a period of time. That's true with every, whether it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Barack Obama, it doesn't matter. If they say, if they call a lid, that means they're out of touch. They're not going to be communicating with the press, so the press doesn't try to contact him. So he called a lid day before yesterday. He's staying in there until Thursday night's debate. He says he's preparing for the debate. He isn't. I mean, he may be, but that isn't why he did that. He did that because he can't answer the questions. And some of the journalists, not all, most of them are silent. They want him to be elected, even though he can't even speak coherently hardly anymore. They want him as president of the United States, because Kamala Harris will then run this country, Bernie Sanders, Ocasio-Cortez, and that whole crew that are just like Chavez was in Venezuela. He saw the wealth of his oil, and he thought, boy, look what I can do with this. Today, that country is is a cesspool. You can't even buy toilet paper there. That's where they want to go with this country, and they want Joe Biden to be elected. Biden, Biden wants to be elected because, as he has said often, that's his lifelong dream, to be president of the United States, much like 
Hillary Clinton's was. So now he's in hiding, but he's hiding from the fact that this is becoming a really big deal. Forget the politics of it, if you can, for a moment. The Post has been reporting this. The New York Post, they broke the story. Now the press has turned on the Post, and they say, well, they're just a tabloid. They're not a tabloid. They've been around for 200 years. Alexander Hamilton started that newspaper. They're anything but a tabloid. And they're doing their job, and the others aren't, in reporting this. In some of these emails that are coming out, Hunter Biden was identified as the chair, vice chair, depending on the agreement with the communist um, energy company and the communist party even, that is the major investor in that. He was to be paid 850, whatever that is, 850, it wouldn't be dollars, it would be hundreds or millions or thousands or something. The email also noted that Hunter, I'm quoting from emails, Hunter has said some office expectations that he will elaborate on later. In addition, the email outlined a provisional agreement, that's what it, the word that it uses, under which 80% of the equity of this company or shares of, the, of a new company that might be, would be created would be split equally among four people whose initials correspond to the sender and three recipients with H, Hunter, referring to Biden. The deal was listed as 10 for Jim, 10 would be held for H, for Hunter, for the big guy. The big guy had just had a meeting. That was Vice President Joe Biden had just had a meeting with these people set up by Hunter Biden, his son. Fox News has confirmed this morning that big guy in these emails, there's thousands of them, is a reference to Joe Biden. Now listen, that's why he's in his basement today. It isn't about preparing for a so-called debate. That's coming up on Thursday night. But the thing that I want to leave with you today is that there is a movement, and you should know about it, for reasons bigger than this election, and not many are bigger than this election. America hangs in the balance. The way this election goes is going to dramatically impact your life, and certainly mine, if I keep saying the things I say on the radio and being as forthright as we are. But America hangs in the balance as we have known it. And that cannot be overstated. And it isn't. But the group Evangelicals for Biden needs to be exposed because they are what David was talking about in the Psalms. They're phony. This is not a political statement. I'm not talking about this this morning so we can help Trump and hurt Biden. I'm way beyond that right now. I am a pastor speaking from my heart. I'm looking at the open Bible in front of me. Evangelicals for Biden is an organized effort. When you go to their website, it says Joe Biden is a man like any other. I'm reading from their website. Joe Biden is a man like any other, but his character and faith set him apart in times of crisis. That same authentic and humble trust in God that has guided his life will be the foundation of Joe Biden's presidency as he leads the United States back to times of unity and prosperity. A closer look at character, faith, and authenticity 
reveals much about Joe, and it also reveals much about the evangelicals, quote-unquote, who want to elect him. Do not be misled. You've got to be informed. Evangelicals for Biden, the website, claim that there are 146,794 leaders who are evangelicals, who are calling on America, evangelicals, to support Biden and dump Trump. Please don't misunderstand, and some of you will. This is not a political talk that I'm giving right now. This is from my heart as a pastor. Their site says evangelicals don't have a change. Uh, Evangelicals don't have to change who they are. They just need to reaffirm who they are by voting for someone who truly reflects Christian values. Gallup reported yesterday that 77% of Americans believe this election matters more than any others in previous years. 85% of Democrats believe that. They want to take America down this road to the far left beyond any great society that Lyndon Johnson dreamed of. They want to make this country socialist. They want to eliminate God from the context of this country and our lives. 79% of Republicans believe that it's also the most consequential election in recent history, perhaps ever. The importance of this election cannot be overstated. Without question, it's the most important since Abraham Lincoln's, maybe, ever. For people of faith, biblical faith, how does their faith square with Joe Biden's Christian values, though? And that's my point. If we can set aside the election, and it's hard to do so because it's so consequential, how can people who self-identify as evangelicals, believing in the authenticity the inspiration, the infallibility of the Bible, go down this path with these people who are horribly misled. And ultimately, they will meet the maker they claim to know, and he will look at them and say, I never knew you. You can't live one way and expect that God will honor you. That's what David is saying in the Psalms. And that's what we need to be saying today, but we're afraid to say it from the pulpit. So I'll say it into a microphone. That's where we are today. If you look at the foundation of Joe Biden's presidency, it isn't evangelical. It's not about the Bible. Neither was Barack Obama's. And some of the Republicans have been the same. But the worst I've seen have been the recent Democrat politicians. I want to talk to you for a moment about Joe and his Christian values and his Catholic Church. A few weeks ago, Cardinal Raymond Burr said, Biden, I'm quoting the Catholic Church, a cardinal, He is not a Catholic in good standing, and he should not approach to receive Holy Communion. Burke said his views are at sharp odds with Vatican teaching. Biden should be excluded from all Catholic sacraments. Newsweek magazine picked up on that. They wrote an article. In the article, they said the cardinal said his comments about Biden were not meant to be overtly political, a political statement, but he also said voting for Biden while he remained pro-choice would be ridiculous. That's a cardinal in the Catholic Church of which Biden claims to be a devout Christian or follower. The Cardinal continued. He said, I don't intend to get involved in the recommending of any candidate for office, but simply to state that a Catholic may not support abortion in any shape or form, because it's one of the most grievous sins against human life, and has always been considered to be intrinsically evil. And therefore, to support the act is a mortal sin. 
Burke then said, he said, I'm quoting him, the cardinal, I don't know why Catholics who are involved in politics can't get this straight in their heads. The magazine goes on to quote Pope Francis. He affirmed the same thing. He said in 2013 that politicians cannot receive Holy Communion and at the same time act with deeds or words against the commandments, particularly when abortion, euthanasia, and other grave crimes against life and family are incurred. Courage. Pope Benedict XVI said the same thing in 2007. Ironically, this comes at a time when President Trump, not a Catholic, has nominated Amy Coney Barrett, a real Catholic, to the Supreme Court. The Church, by the way, the Catholic Church, has said that Barrett is a real Catholic. She's devout. In fact, one of the cardinals said she follows Scripture in her life. Imagine that. I'm a Protestant, but I'm saying, wow, amen. Joe's explanation for a double-minded faith will leave you wondering, but I'm going to share it with you very quickly. We're just about out of time. John Kerry developed the Catholic Double Talk back in his day in 2004. The left-leading religion news service tried their best to prop him up by helping him to explain, I can't take what is an article of faith for me and legislate it for someone who does not share that article of faith, whether they be atheistic, agnostic, Jew, Protestant, whatever. As a president, I have to be, I have to represent all the people. That's a quote from Joe Biden, who is actually quoting John Kerry, one of his very close friends, who will probably be attorney general should Biden win the election. So if a president is really going to be president of all the people, he can have a, he cannot have fixed beliefs about the most fundamental issue itself, life itself. Life is hardly an article of faith. It's the most basic reality that anyone experiences. I mean, come on. We're either dead or we're alive. A little baby is either dead or alive. It's not an article of faith. But they make it that they take the words, they change the words, and that's what David is getting at back in his day, saying, God, why are you allowing this to go on? But I will put my trust in you. Bishop Slattery in Tulsa, He wrote a lengthy article about the hypocrisy of Joe Biden, and he concluded with this. Once an evil is truly seen for what it is, neither can an emphasis on privacy excuse one's moral responsibility to act to stop it, nor can defining murder as a right to choose change what is actually chosen. If you go to the website, and I put it in an article that I wrote today, and I would encourage you to read it. There's much more in it than what I'm saying today. But it's at faithandfreedom.us. Go to that. On the Christian Left uh, website, you, the first thing that you read there, you're welcome. We've been, we've been searching for you for 10 years. If you're like many others like us, you probably felt alone. You've probably been told you can't be a Christian and a liberal. Welcome home. You have found your tribe. Conservative Christians have been wrong. And you've been right about Jesus all along. You click the abortion tab. It said abortion is a made-up issue designed to coalesce a right-wing political movement. It isn't even mentioned in the Bible, and on and on and on. That's where we are today, and that's what's going on in our world today. This battle, as, as political as it is, ultimately is not a political battle. This upcoming election is not a political election per se. It is a spiritual matter. And this war is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers of darkness. That's what it's about. 
And we need to be prayerful and hopeful and put our trust in the Lord. I've run out of time. We'll continue this conversation tomorrow.